This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. It's the gift that keeps on giving, and Christmas is over, but we all call it the LRT. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger says the $1 billion LRT project remains in jeopardy if residents elect or re-elect councillors who are opposed to the project in this October's municipal election. Uh, He told the Hamilton Community News, until the shovels are in the ground, the LRT will be at risk, adding it happened in Ottawa, and it is possible here. Now, we've heard from many LRT supporters who are worried that a contract to design, build, finance, run, and maintain the LRT uh, won't be signed, sealed, and delivered until after this June's provincial election. Now, the city, as we know, has yet to approve an operating agreement with the provincial government and with Metrolinx. And if there is a change in government at Queen's Park, and and polls are showing that could be the case, doesn't that mean more delays? Possibly, I guess. The mayor is concerned every LRT supporter should be that there's going to be a growing list of anti-LRT candidates who are going to try to capitalize on this controversial project to earn either the mayor's chair or a seat at city council this fall. Will this fall's municipal election derail the project for good? Will the provincial election do that? Let's bring in our first guest today, City Councilor for Ward 7, Donna Skelly. Donna, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Did you have a nice holiday? I had a fantastic holiday, nice and quiet. And I always get chuckles when I say that, but that, that means good news. That means everyone yeah. had a good time. That's excellent. Good to hear. Yourself as well? Wonderful, wonderful. Good nice and relaxed. Yes, that's uh, that's the key. Uh, well, maybe we'll start with this. Is the mayor's statement concerning about electing or re-electing councillors who are anti-LRT, or or, or is that just part of the political game? No, I think he's right. I think that this election, both the provincial election and the upcoming municipal election in 10 months from now, is an election that will be run on an LRT pro or or against. But, you know, the mayor made his comment about um, uh, the project remains in jeopardy if the community elects councillors opposed to the LRT, I would suggest to you that Hamiltonians actually have an opportunity to receive almost a billion dollars for improved infrastructure and enhanced transit if they elect a mayor and councillors who oppose LRT. Those are the two issues going into the next two elections. Do you want the money to be spent on LRT or do you want the money to be spent on improved infrastructure? and enhanced transit service. And that is what people will be deciding when they cast their ballot. I guess uh, LRT proponents would say, uh, is that uh, is that non-LRT money? Is that money for infrastructure and a new rapid transit system? If it goes to that, is that guaranteed money? Is that money going to be coming to us if we say, no, we don't really want LRT? Yes. Well, as you know, uh, I'm also, in full disclosure, I'm running as a conservative candidate, mm-hmm. and our leader has said, well, 100% that the money remains in Hamilton. Now, Ted McMeekin has said that the Liberal government won't guarantee that money. If the city chooses not to have LRT, the city then goes to the back of the line for that money. A Conservative government, and the polls, as you suggested in your opening statement, are, are, are leaning towards change at Queen's Park, but a Conservative government guarantees the money or our share of that money for Hamilton, and I believe our share is between six and seven hundred million dollars, that money stays in Hamilton, and council will decide how to use it. If they want it to be spent on LRT, 
it will be spent on LRT. However, it isn't, does not have to be spent on LRT. If council chooses to spend that money on infrastructure and enhanced transit, they can then spend the money on improved uh, infrastructure and transit. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Um, this is this is probably the worst scenario for councillors that are indecisive or um, flip-flopped a little on, on the LRT decision because now they're going to have to actually take a stand going into the next election. I think it's very clear, and the mayor has, has basically said in, in the article that you're referencing that he'd like to see the the councillors who voted uh, against LRT gone in the next election. I think it's an opportunity for people who want to change perhaps at the local level and say, look, I'm going to elect a councillor that represents my views. And, and we did a poll, and the poll clearly shows that the majority of Hamiltonians do not want LRT. And I'd be very nervous if I was a councillor that supported it. So what you're saying is if there is a change in provincial government, uh, and, and the provincial election will come before the municipal election. June if, 7th. It, if, yeah, if there's a change at Queen's Park, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean Hamilton's LRT project is going to be scrapped. No, it's up to council. No government at Queen's Park that I've heard of, and I know, I'm, let me just speak for the Conservatives. If the Conservatives form government, the money, that decision on how to spend that money rests solely with council. The government at Queen's Park is not going to meddle. But council now has to make the decision. Are they going to go to the polls saying, yes, I believe that we're going to spend a billion dollars on an antiquated system, which we probably don't qualify for in the first place, and I'd still love to see those numbers, um, and I'll explain that in a minute, on an area that doesn't serve the entire city, or do we want to take our share of that pot of gold, a one-time gift, and put it towards much-needed improvements to our infrastructure and a much better enhanced bus system. And we all know how, um, how much we need to improve our bus system right now. It's, it's, in, it's struggling, and we need to pump money in, in, in increasing the number of drivers and enhancing the service. So the decision will rest with council. You refer you refer to the numbers. Are you uh, are you referring to the estimated economic impact? No, well, that I still don't believe. I mean, if you go downtown and 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 Rick, I, I take people downtown all the time, and and it seems like every other day there's a new restaurant and phenomenal places to eat in the city. Uh, we don't need an LRT to spur any sort of economic growth. The condos are being built. We we have story after story after story of of economic uplift without the LRT. Investors are not going to leave the city because we don't have an LRT. Most people that are, um, you know, signing on to this, we support the LRT, are just doing so because they don't really want to get dragged into the mud, into a fight on pro or anti-LRT. The reality is that that development is moving forward regardless of whether we have LRT or not. In fact, I believe LRT would probably halt any sort of development. It will it will delay things. It will cause havoc in the downtown core. The mayor referenced um, Kitchener-Waterloo. They are years behind. They have not uh, opened their... Uh, that line has not opened yet. They haven't even received their, their vehicles. The Ottawa is now facing a mess. Look what happened in Toronto with Metrolinx having to renegotiate for, for cars. This is not an easy thing. And it's also yesterday's technology. 
throughout the LRT debate, we've had people come to council, and we had a recent uh, presentation by a group out of the Innovation Centre talking about autonomous vehicles and that within 12 years, they really do believe that you will see autonomous vehicles throughout the city of, of well, throughout the world. And the city of Hamilton will uh, obviously have these autonomous vehicles as well. It will change the way we move. Younger people, millennials, don't take transit. Transit numbers are dropping. Um, what we're seeing is, is the use of, of um, Uber and Lyft. That's how millennials move around their cities. They don't take transit. When I suggested to you that the numbers aren't accurate, what I was referring to is the formula that the city used in order to qualify for that billion dollars, in order to qualify for light rail transit. I don't think that the numbers are accurate. I think that the numbers that they used were inflated, and the numbers are talking about transit ridership. Those numbers have have declined every time we have a meeting with our our transit uh, manager, she lets us know that the numbers are down, the numbers are down. So if the numbers are down, then we probably don't qualify for that money anyway. So um, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting 10 months. I think that people that position themselves uh, against the LRT are going to have a huge advantage in the next municipal election. And as far as provincial politics goes, uh, the conservatives have said that we are not making Hamilton go to the back of the line if they choose not to have LRT. The money stays in Hamilton. We won't, we will not interfere in terms of what that money will be spent on. That's council's decision. But you will have the choice of spending it on LRT or enhanced transit and infrastructure. We're chatting with uh, Ward 7 Councillor, City of Hamilton, Donna Skelly here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick, in for Bill. I I know we're crystal ball gazing here, but if there is a change in government uh, provincially, do you think that is going to spur more anti-LRT candidates locally to run in the election? Because they see that opportunity to say, hey, we're not going to lose out on this money. I can campaign on this and maybe get in. I think so. I think you will. There is... There is... uh, I travel across the city, and other than, I'd say, a very small portion in the downtown core, people don't want LRT. They think it's a, a fait accompli, it's a done deal, not realizing that there's an election that can be run on this. The last election, the mayor was said he ran on it, but he also suggested that he would have a, a committee um, struck to to determine whether we should move forward with LRT. That really didn't happen. They were kind of told, well, we're moving forward with LRT. So I would suggest that, yeah, this is a huge opportunity for people right across the city, if they are interested in getting into politics, that uh, anti-LRT or pro-LRT take a stand, that that's, that is the defining issue going into, as I said, the, the provincial or the municipal election. Uh, provincially, it will be one factor. I think an anti-win um, sentiment is clearly... What I'm hearing at the doors, people just don't want win. Uh, but I think that the fact that the Conservatives have said Hamilton can keep its money is also a, a huge bonus uh, for people who are are casting a ballot in June. It hasn't even been built yet. I mean, it hasn't even been tendered yet, but it sounds like 2018 is going to be the most important year for LRT. Yes. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a mess. It's uh, very disappointed in the last vote. We, this could be done. That We wouldn't even be having this discussion if we hadn't had the, um, the councillors who were leaning towards not supporting LRT change their vote. Uh, so unfortunately, we're, we're, we are where we are. But 
it still doesn't mean that this project can't be stopped um, for people who, and, and again, uh, the longer this drags on, the more obvious it appears to me and to a lot of people that this is just the wrong thing for this city. It's, it's a fixed piece of transit. It's not necessary. Ridership is down. It's declining. Uh, it doesn't make sense. We could take that opportunity. Could you imagine if this city had, you know, six to seven hundred million dollars to put towards anything but LRT? The impact that that would have on this city is is profound, and it won't be lost. It won't be lost by residents of this city when they cast their ballot. They'll have an opportunity to say, no, we think that that money should be spent here. We think that the LRT is not right for this city. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And we're going to vote for somebody who uh, agrees with that stance and uh, is, is against the LRT project. So it, it will be very interesting. It will be very, very interesting in the next, uh, the next two elections. Yeah, I think if you had uh, run a poll, even even today, of Hamiltonians uh, and giving them a choice, do you want a one billion dollar LRT or do you want six, seven, eight hundred million dollars in money you can spend any way you want? I think most people would lean to the latter. That's for sure. Donna, we're we're out of time. Thanks for the time and uh, good luck the rest of this year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Donna Skelly, Ward Seven Councilor here in the city of Hamilton, reflecting on uh, the latest. LRT-related uh, topic in terms of uh, what the mayor had to say, basically, in a nutshell, saying that, uh, hey, residents, hey, voters, if you vote in uh, more anti-LRT councillors, uh, this project's in jeopardy. And I got to say, he's probably right. But this provincial election, as you heard from Donna and my suggestions, it, it, it's going to it's going to weigh on the minds of not only voters, but those who are thinking about running as candidates to say, uh, oh, I can capitalize on this anti-LRT movement if there is a change at Queen's Park. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Happy that recreational marijuana is finally going to be legalized this summer. Well, it's going to cost you whether you're a pot smoker or not. Officials in Calgary estimate the legalization of recreational marijuana will cost the city more than $10 million a year in things like policing, bylaw, and administration costs. That has prompted Calgary's mayor to ask the federal government for one-third of the revenues from pot sales. Now, the Trudeau government, as we know, is legalizing recreational cannabis in July. They've come out and said Canadians are going to pay about $10 a gram. Ottawa has agreed to give the provinces 75% of the tax revenues to help cover the costs of setting up this system. By the way, each gram of marijuana is going to have a $1 tax on sales up to 10 bucks, and a 10% tax on sales worth more than $10. Finance Minister Bill Morneau has said uh, also that each province is going to decide how much money will go to municipalities. And that leads us to Hamilton. If Calgary's estimated legalized pot costs for policing, bylaw, administration, throw public health in there, if those costs are going to be more than $10 million, how much is it going to cost us? Councillor Sam Arula, Ward 4, is joining us now. He's scheduled to introduce a motion at a meeting later this month to get the ball rolling on this subject, and we welcome him to the program. Sam, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Rick. Legalizing in, uh, pot in Canada may be the biggest download on municipalities 
ever. What's your motion going to address? Well, I wouldn't say it's the biggest because I think social assistance and housing was the biggest. But having said that, as you know, Rick, 50% of our operating budget, uh, we don't control as a city council. So in essence, um, this is just another example. If we don't get ahead of the curve where that there's a financial windfall for the federal government and provincial government, and being a municipality, we have no constitution authority. The federation in Canada or the partnership is between the province and the federal government. We as a city, uh, we're just simply a creation of the province. So we need to knock on our door and say, we really can't afford to deal with um, all of the consequences associated with the legalization of cannabis, where the windfall goes to the federal provincial government and we, at the municipal level, end up bearing the cost at the general levy, which is a form of regressive taxation and unsustainable. So you're asking staff to find out how much is this, this is going to cost us? So the bottom line is, uh, I'm asking for all of our departments that will be relevant departments to sit down and project what the increase of demand of services will be and what that will mean in actual impact on our financial uh, operating costs. Uh, so uh, in essence, it's a, it's a fair process, one that is based on projection, will be a work in progress or in flux, but ultimately one that can be assessed, analyzed, and, and amended accordingly uh, once we determine what those additional costs will be. What I don't want to be in a situation of doing is going forward with this great news story of the province and federal government making a billion dollars or more, and yet we at the municipal level are actually paying for their for their benefits. We just can't afford to do that any longer. As I mentioned, half of what we tax for, we don't control because the province imposes these programs on us without providing the necessary funding as they promised originally when the downloading file was created. So if Calgary's costs are estimated to be more than $10 million, and that, that's not a concrete number, that's that's an estimate at this point, uh, any guesstimate on what it could be here? No, I'd be guessing. But $10 million to us would mean about 1.5% in, uh, in a tax increase. Uh, so, so that would, uh, on the average home, that would be quite considerable. So really, if you're a pot smoker or not, we're, we're going to be paying for this. If the province doesn't come up with a formula where that it, at, at worst it's revenue neutral uh, because the other component to this is I'm not sure what they plan on doing with this so-called windfall but if they're just going to take it to try to pay bills that they've created and not direct it back to communities for addictions and public health and and other related uh, services uh, they, they must be smoking something. <laughs> We're not going to uh, guesstimate on what they are smoking, but uh, I think we can put two and two together. Now, w- we know that Ottawa has agreed to give the provinces 75% of the tax revenues. Uh, are you more optimistic or, or more pessimistic that the province is going to play nice and say, hey, you get a third as well? <laughs> well based, on their, <laughs> based on their history, I, I would say no. I think uh, uh, we have a very, very um, abusive relationship when it comes to the province of Ontario. Um Everyone, and until it becomes a ballot issue, as you probably know, I brought forward a motion to have a summit. And until it becomes an election issue, until people realize that when you go to vote for their member of provincial parliament, has a direct tie to your, not only your provincial and federal taxes, but actually your municipal taxes, and that they can actually decrease your taxes by 50, 50%, 50%, 5-0, if they simply paid their bills, 
I, I will never have a change. Uh, it will never change because they don't need to change. So we need to make it a political issue. We need to have people understand what it means. It's so convoluted, and it's convoluted by design so that they can manipulate the process, spend money like drunken sailors, make money uh, from smoke pot or pot, but yet impose all the additional costs on municipalities. We can't afford it. It's unsustainable. It needs to be fixed. People need to understand that, and they need to actually vote accordingly. Our guest is uh, Sam Rula, Ward 4 City Councilor here in Hamilton. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick, in for Bill. Uh, you mentioned no windfall for the city. It sounds like we're just going to be the, the administrator or, or basically the caretaker. It's exactly like the other downloading issues. So back in the 90s when Mike Harris uh, promised, uh, uh, the Conservative Premier promised that this would be revenue neutral, that when we download housing and social assistance and paramedics and there was a, a litany of, of services that it wouldn't cost the general levy or the, the municipal taxpayer anything. What we found, it actually cost them, it's actually costed them billions since then, but annually it's half of what we tax for, including our police services. We don't control, city council does not control police services. There's an independent board of governors that we appoint three members and the province appoints the majority of those members. And even if we don't support their budget, they bring it to a provincial arbitrator and we lose. So uh, most people have no idea about this. I don't suspect that they have the time to put in. And that's our job is to try to educate them so that when it does matter at election time, that they make the appropriate uh, decisions, particularly at the provincial level, the municipal level, we simply get beaten up and abused by them. The other issue is that this is happening in six months. Um, yeah. Are we going to be ready? Well, hence my my anxious uh, my anxious of approach to this is that they haven't communicated what the plan is. Not too dissimilar to uh, what they've done to us in the past, where they just move forward, they benefit, and we pay the consequences uh, because they have nothing to lose. Because the average person has no idea that half of what they pay in municipal taxes uh, goes to the provincial government uh, or as a result of the provincial government. If you look at what you pay in taxes every year, Rick, 98% of every tax dollar you pay, when you look at retail tax, income tax, goes to the province and goes to the federal government. Only two cents of every dollar comes to us at the municipal level, yet everybody and their brother scrutinizes us. We're the only ones that have a balanced budget. The province doesn't. We have a better credit rating than the province. The federal government doesn't have a balanced budget. We do. But yet, everyone seems to be like focused on tuna sandwiches uh, rather than the big money issues. You're, you guys are too easily accessible. That's the problem. Apparently. But again, <laughs> uh, people have to, until people understand that 90 cents of every dollar they pay in taxes does not go to the city, but that of the province and the federal government, nothing's going to change. They're going to continue uh, drink, uh, spending money like drunken sailors, and we're going to continue getting blamed for everything from the Afghan war to potholes, and nothing's going to change. You're putting forward your motion later on this month. When when do you anticipate to hear from the province on how this is all going to work? Well, I would say as soon as possible uh, would be my my goal. Um, but again, I, I'd be guessing. We haven't really heard from the finance minister either, and I'm not talking about Bill Morneau. I'm talking about Charles Sousa, who's basically, all I've heard him say is that uh, we're going to make sure that municipalities are, are taken care of. But, I mean, those yeah, are just words at this point. 20, yeah, I was say, buck twenty-five gets us a cup of coffee. Exactly. And a small one like that. That's exactly what they do to us. They always do that to us. Don't worry about it. We'll get to you when we can. So they benefit from all of, this, all of the, the news and financially. 
and we we bore the cost. And it, 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 it's unsustainable. It's unfair. It's ludicrous, frankly. Do you think the legal recreational marijuana system as a whole, and I'm not just talking about the impact in Hamilton, do you think it's going to be a success, or, or should we be preparing for the worst? Oh, we always have to prepare for the worst, and uh, because anything other than that then becomes a benefit. So, uh, again, uh, it wasn't a city council decision. This is a federal decision, as you know, in partnership with in our federation with the province. We're simply a creature of the province, and again, we're being downloaded downloaded a beating and, and the abuse associated with how the province treats municipalities in Smolin. I do have to ask you, while I have you on, just on the mayor's comments regarding uh, the LRT, basically saying, uh, hey, uh, City of Hamilton residents, if you elect more anti-LRT councillors or, or re-elect some of them, uh, this could throw the project in jeopardy. Are you buying into what the mayor's saying? Oh, anything is possible, as you know, in politics. So, uh, the bottom line is, I'm not sure what Councillor Skelly is saying, because I, I know where in my understanding, is uh, Brown suggesting that the money can be used for inf- infrastructure. What he said was, and what I've read, is uh, that it can be used for public transit infrastructure or public transit, but not for roads, sidewalks, and sewers. If that were the case, uh, frankly, I would have never supported it, first thing. Secondly, 80% of the project is related to roads, sewers, and projects in the East End and in the West End and downtown, and there's a reason why I do support it. So when you look at the infrastructure renewal associated with the current plan, 80% of the cost is related to inf- hard infrastructure, not uh, just make-believe stuff that people are throwing out there uh, accordingly. How huge is this summer's provincial election? I mean, if, if there is a change in government, let's just say the PCs get in, I mean, anything can happen. Uh, is, is, is this going to throw the project on its ear? Frankly, the Conservatives have never been fans of, of Hamilton because Hamilton's never been fans of the Conservatives. So uh, I think if they do win, uh, I think the money would be in jeopardy, but not because they're going to give us the money. They'll give it to their rural their rural supporters, right? They're, they're huge in some parts in rural Ontario. That's where they garner most seats, and they'll tell Hamilton to go pound salt, and they'll give it to those ridings that, that, uh, in, the, in the rural areas that will reward them as, as being in government. So people are dreaming of technicolor. If you think, uh, Brown's going to give us any money at all. Frankly, they, they hardly know where we are. Uh, when you look, when you look at a map. I worked at Queens Park. I know how they think. Uh, I'm the guessing don't have a, don't have respect for Hamilton, and it's because it's reciprocated that way. From from what you're saying, if Brown does get in, uh, I, I guess Hamilton better hope that uh, there's a lot of PC MPs in and around town. Well, we otherwise, otherwise they're not going to look here, right? Well, we, we know that's not going to happen because ideologically, just just not a, a, a sink. So it's never been synchronized. And even when they did have seats, the Liberals and the Conservatives, we don't have enough seats to, 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 to compete against Toronto. So Toronto is, is the center of the universe in the province. When we had all Liberals uh, federally and all Liberals provincially, we still got the short end of the stick. That's how downloading was amplified. So no, it doesn't matter if, if they're all Tories, if they're all Liberals, because the history has shown that we get screwed over regardless because we only have five ridings compared to Toronto that has 10 times the amount of ridings. So we'll always get the short end of the stick. And the best thing to do, I believe, is always go for the opposition because at least somebody should be standing up against that rather than having somebody a rubber stamp getting screwed over. I prefer to have somebody fight for us getting screwed over. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyways. If, uh, <laughs> if, you, had a do- if you had a dollar to put down on LRT, um, shovels in the ground next year, would, would you place that bet right now? Well, either way, it's going to be an expensive uh, consequence, right? So if we've already spent tens of millions of dollars on the project, uh, that's money lost. 
And if people are willing to throw away the money that we've already spent, plus the entire infrastructure renewal from Eastgate, from Stony Creek, all the way to Dundas, basically, then I'd say that's a pretty uh, moronic and self I don't know. I, I, I can't even describe how, how moronic that decision would be, uh, considering if people understood the, the project. Too many people are looking at it as a transportation, public transportation project, and they're not looking at 80% of the cost. The actual train itself only represents 20% of the cost. So out of that billion dollars, the train represents 20%, so $200 million. The other $800 million is related to property acquisition and, more importantly, roads, sidewalks, sewers, the fiber optic renewal, hydro, it, it's endless, water lines, and we have we have water pipes bursting all over the city on the mountain, the Lancaster, Dundas, um, and every for every pipe we replace in the core is an additional pipe that we can replace somewhere else down the road. So again, people want to play the game and manipulate the, the message, but the reality is this, the present project is an infrastructure project, 80% of it's related to sidewalks, roads, sewers, gas lines, hydro, and an increased capacity of fiber optics. It's the future. We'll never have this opportunity again. And if people want to throw it away, um, they're going to be seen, and this history will not be kind to them. Let's put it that way. Sam, always appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Rick. Take care. Sam Rula, City Councilor Ward 4 here in the City of Hamilton, joining us to talk about uh, well, a couple of issues. Number one, the pot, legalization of recreational marijuana in Canada coming uh, July 1st, that's potentially going to translate, if the numbers hold true with what the city of Calgary is projecting, it's going to cost that city more than a $10 million uh, a year impact. Comparing apples to apples, it's going to be in about a 1.5% increase on your property taxes. Whether you're a pot smoker or not, you're going to be impacted we got to pay for more policing. we got to pay for bylaw enforcement. There's administration costs in there. Public health is going to be impacted. There is a financial impact whether you're going to be smoking pot or not come this summer. Item number two, still fascinating, and it will be until the final nail in the coffin is hammered in or the first shovel hits the ground in terms of LRT. Mayor is or necessarily say pleading with residents, but I think encouraging residents to say, hey, think twice before you cast your ballot in this October's municipal election. Again, that's going to be preceded by a provincial election, which could really turn the tables on this LRT project. Um, Tweet coming in from Manny at Rick Samprin. Sideshow continues. So election will ban LRT election. Forget about real issues our city has, and you thought stadium was a sideshow. <laughs> the stadium was a sideshow. But it is, without question, no comparison to LRT. What, what was the stadium? 140-some-odd million? Yeah, it was a debacle. Yeah, it was a fiasco. Yes, it was a sideshow. But it has been dwarfed by this LRT debate. This has been a true sideshow. It's been interesting. It's been enthralling at times. It's been maddening at times as well. But LRT has certainly given us lots to talk about. Sometimes lots to chuckle at. 
or to raise an eyebrow, but has also opened up the communication in this committee, in this community, and has gotten us talking about making this city better. I think at the end of the day, that's what everyone wants to do. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Uh, We talked about New Year's resolutions yesterday. Some of you uh, trying to lose weight. Others uh, just want to eat healthier, be healthier. So I'm guessing that you're no longer picking away your holiday leftovers. (laughs) Hopefully they have found uh, the, uh, the, the green bin. New research uh, commissioned by the Heart and Stroke Foundation shows that uh, ultra-processed food consumption in Canada continues to increase and uh, is alarmingly high, accounting for almost half of our daily calorie intake. That is absolutely shocking. Carol Henderson is her name. She's a dietitian and food and nutrition expert, and she joins us now on The Bill Kelly Show. Carol, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Not too bad. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us today. And Happy New Year to you. Maybe we'll start with this ultra-processed foods uh, topic. What kind of foods are we talking about here? Okay, so we're talking foods that are things like packaged snack foods, chips, candy bars, uh, pop, uh, frozen pizzas, foods that really don't look like anything that comes out of the ground (laughs) or comes (laughs) off of a farm. So all the stuff our kids are eating, apparently. Well, children are eating an awful lot. More than half of their calories are coming from these ultra-processed foods. I mean, some foods are processed. uh, We make uh, cheese. That's a processed food. But, of course, that's highly nutritious. We're talking about the ultra-processed foods, high in calories, low in nutrition. So give us an an example of an ultra-processed food. Mm -hmm. So like a bag of chips. Okay. So, I mean, you could have a a baked potato at home, or you could have a bag of chips. So the potato... uh, is again the whole naturally nutrient rich choice and uh, and the potato chip is would be an ultra processed food uh candy bars uh cookies donuts those kinds of things sweetened baked goods is it because you know in today's world we have both parents working more often than not life is so busy it's just easier to cook mac and cheese out of a box and make it from scratch Yeah, you know what, that the time crunch is really a challenge for folks. It's not that we don't want to uh, eat better or even know, you know, that homemade macaroni and cheese is better than macaroni and cheese out of a box or, you know, a nice, easy uh, pizza that you throw in the oven um, is better than something that's going to come out of a box. But it really comes down to, yeah, the time, but also food skills as well. You know, a lot of us... um, haven't had the opportunity to grow up with home ec as well. So we really don't necessarily always have those ideas and and the capacity to look in the fridge and say, oh, I've got this, this, and this. I know three things I can do with that. That's interesting, the, the food skills aspect, because uh, the more processed foods we buy and eat, uh, and, and, and we're showing our kids that we're doing this, they're going to grow up even worse than us when it comes to food skills. Yeah, 100%. So we, you know, uh, and then we are really um, vulnerable to, uh, yeah, food skills declining even further and getting farther away from cooking whole, naturally nutrient-rich foods. I mean, I think it's really that it's uh, it's something we could turn around, though. We could totally turn this ship around in 2018. (laughs) So how do we do this? What are the tips, uh, one or two or three tips that parents can do at home right now that they could turn this tide? Right. So um, some simple things could be, I mean, just trying to eat more uh, vegetables and fruits. And so a simple way to do that would be to leave out a bowl of uh, fruit at the kitchen counter, you know, um, toss 
some in your gym bag when you're heading out to the gym. Uh, we don't want to sabotage our workouts <laughs> uh, that we're, we're all getting back in back into the gym. Planning ahead, um, uh, you can organize uh, yourself on the weekend before you go grocery shopping and just plan out a few meals ahead. Uh, look up some recipes, make your meal plan based on that, and just try to get a little more organized. Are there simple and quick meals that people can be making and they have no idea that they can be doing these things? Oh, 100%. So, like I said, you know, you can um, make a pita pizza. You can do, uh, and that could be as simple as taking some dinner, some leftover meats, adding some, you know, mushrooms and peppers and maybe some sun-dried tomatoes, uh, your favorite cheese, tossing that in the oven and serving that with some side vegetables and a glass of milk. Very simple dinner Weeknight dinners don't need to be complicated. You could have breakfast for dinner. You could have uh, a frittata. You could have omelets. You could have cheesy scrambled eggs tossed in a burrito with some salsa and some crunchy veggies on the side. A lot of people don't realize even, you know, something like a roast beef is very easy to cook. You can cook up a larger roast beef, and then you're cutting back on your processed meat intake. So instead of having bologna or hot dogs, you've got that extra roast beef leftovers that you can throw into soups, you can throw into salads, you can make a gorgeous uh, hot sandwich with it. There's lots of things. You can, t- you can toss a roast beef in a crock pot, and while you're at work, I mean, it's doing the work for you. Yeah, 100%. Or like I said, on the weekend, you just make a, a bit of a larger one, and then you've got those uh, leftovers for another two or three days that you can um, tuck into all kinds of other meal ideas. Uh, cooking up, you know, or even just using canned beans is another great option. So beans um, are great refried beans in a burrito, beans in salads, uh, add some beans to some homemade soups and it'll make it a lot more heartier. And hey, you know what? It's, it's affordable too. That's something else we want to be thinking about. The highly processed foods, when you think about what you're getting for your dollar, you're paying an awful lot, again, for very little nutrition. And uh, obviously the worry is, you know, the, the, the lack of <clears throat> uh, quality nutrients in these products. Our, our children are going to school uh, after eating this the night before, and they really, and especially if they're not having a healthy breakfast, uh, they're really sluggish during the day. Yeah, you know, it's not fueling their body with what they need to grow and stay healthy and, and feel good. 100% I agree with you. Do you think the online world has helped parents? Because uh, to me, I mean, my wife collects cookbooks, but she rarely cracks mm-hmm. them open. And I find that when I'm cooking dinner, if I'm home and if I'm doing this this shift, I'm, I'm, I'm up early and I'm home early enough to, to cook a meal, I'll go online and just search, hey, you know, uh, let's uh, c- cook some chicken or, or, or whatever the case is. And there's so many things online that can help you out and some take time and some are really quick and, and easy and nutritious recipes. Yeah, and you know, uh, that's true. And another great tip, too, is you can go to the Eat Right Ontario website. That's uh, the Ministry of Health's Healthy Eating website. And they've got all kinds of tips and ideas there for healthier menu planning, quick and easy meal ideas. You can even call them and speak to a registered dietitian to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. Here's what I normally do. How could I make it better? Uh, and they'll be happy to give you tips and ideas. Uh, there's also uh, a website that you're very familiar with, yummylunchclub.ca. What can people find there? Okay, well, I've got loads of uh, cook once, eat twice meals. I think it's really one of the one of the uh, great tips and strategies that people can um, use to try and curb their highly processed food uh, intake. And so you cook one dinner, and then you have leftovers that you can repurpose for another meal. So would you freeze these leftovers, or would you have it the next day in a different well, form? Yeah, you could you could certainly you could certainly freeze them. Um, I, I like the idea of making having planned leftovers. So you, uh, if you're say um, 
you know, using some apples in uh, uh, roasted with some roasted vegetables in the oven uh, while you're chopping up the apples. Why don't you chop up a few extra um, and have those to go um, into lunch the next day? It's just a way to work smarter, not longer. Hmm. What's your go when it's crunch time and you don't have a lot of time? What's your go-to meal? Go-to meal. Um, I think eggs, healthy, easy, convenient, affordable, always in the fridge. They last a long time, and you can incorporate other leftovers into eggs. So you can make an omelet in no time flat. The kids got to get out to a hockey game or a practice. It's even quicker than drive-through. Eggs are fantastic. French toast, cheesy scrambled eggs, frittatas, easy peasy. Very versatile. Yeah, and uh, you can get your veggies in there. You get your cheese in there. Um, you can even get your meats in there. You could put uh, fish. You, um, some people, I, I love to put uh, canned salmon in with a frittata. Uh, last one for you before we let you go. Uh, would you at all be surprised to learn that some people are still munching on their holiday leftovers? Oh, um, no, not, not surprised, <laughs> but I would say, I would say... Are, there, uh, are they again, playing with their lives? Or <laughs> <laughs> It's that two to three days is, uh, is a good rule of thumb for the um, using up your leftovers. So if your two or three days have passed, then it's time to say goodbye <laughs> to those leftovers, unless, of course, you froze them. Um, and uh, again, you can always call Eat Right Ontario if you're wondering, how long can things freeze for and how do I frost them and... Um, any food safety questions, they'd be happy to answer them. One great tip, though, I would love to leave with people is to uh, remember that um, apples are a fantastic snack and, you know, something we don't think of this time of the year when it's minus whatever, 20 outside, mm-hmm. because uh, apple season is, is they we're picking them in the fall, but they are available in stores throughout the year because of, we've got great modern storage facilities, so they're crisp, nutritious, and delicious. And one simple thing you can do is put a bowl of apples out on your um, kitchen counter or at your front door, and instead of grabbing, you know, a sugary granola bar or a candy bar, snack on an apple. If you're only going to do one little thing, that's a simple tip that people can try. Excellent stuff. Carol, thanks for the time. Uh, always appreciate the insight. Okay, thank you. Carol Harrison, a dietitian and a food and nutrition expert. You can find uh, more great information from her online at Yummy lunchclub.ca that's yummy lunchclub.ca you can also find her on twitter at yummy lunch club and at great meal ideas uh, there's a host of great information uh, that uh, you can tap into um if, if you have that that newest resolution to lose weight and get healthy i mean that was the perfect conversation to do so Grab an apple, grab something nutritious as opposed to that bag of chips or making a dinner that is high in those ultra-processed foods. Kids aged 9 to 13 who get 57% of their calories from these energy-dense, nutritionally-lacked products in this country. I mean, that, that's, an, that's an overwhelming and disturbing statistic. More than half of kids aged 9 to 13 according to new research by the Heart and Stroke Foundation, get their calories from ultra-processed foods. Ugh. That's horrible. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.